The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey everyone, welcome to A Good Football Show. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, March 7th, and today we are looking at some players who made significant impressions at the NFL Combine, and we're going to be spinning it forward to look at those skilled players who could be key fantasy contributors as rookies this upcoming season. To do this, I'm joined by Tyler Fornis and John Supowitz. And guys, for starters, I just want to ask big picture, how was the Combine week for both of you, and, and are you like me, still just basking in the glow of seeing Jordan Davis run that 478-40 because, John, I feel like I was forever changed by that single run. Yeah, me too. You know, as as a big man myself, not that big, but as a big man myself, I, I'm just looking, I'm like, maybe there's a chance for me. I did run out to the baseball field in my backyard. If I didn't stop for this, I'd probably still be running my 40s, but, you know... It was amazing. It was amazing. Yeah, big thing for uh, us big guys because I'm six six, nearly three hundred pounds. So I'm, I I'm kind of close to Jordan Davis. But as a big guy, you're either really fast or really slow. And I I I fit more the latter than the former. And that watching a big guy succeed like that is it's pretty cool. It's mind blowing stuff because I am not a big guy, and I I probably my 40 probably not even close to four eight or whatever he ran so just just incredible stuff all around as i said we are here today to spin some of these combine performances forward into the fantasy outlook for some key skill players and we want to start off with running backs and i think we have to begin with kenneth walker he posted the second fastest 40 times speaking of 40 times among running backs 4.38 tyler what did you see from kenneth walker and is it easy for you to envision him being an impact fantasy rookie I think it's easy to envision him being an impact fantasy rookie. And one of the questions I had was how much genuine speed and athleticism does he have? Because a lot of what Mm -hmm. he was able to do at Michigan State was really bounce off tacklers and take advantage of how how poor some of that tackling was. And the the yards after contact, I think he led the nation with over a thousand yards. How much is he going to be able to avoid that contact with his speed and athleticism? Because that really wasn't 100% clear when you watched the film. What, when you saw him at the combine, he pretty much answered all those questions. He's going to be able to get some separation with his speed and his agility, and he's still going to be able to have that contact balance to really shed those tacklers. I was really impressed with Kenneth, Kenneth Walker. I don't know where exactly I'm going to slot him as far as running back rankings uh, pre-draft, but he's, I think mm-hmm. he's easily top four, especially with the poor performance of Kyron Williams, because Williams was really going to be a guy who could separate himself as potentially the best with how diverse his skill set is. But Walker has, leaves a lot to like for fantasy owners here moving forward. 
Exactly. And, and the thing is, I definitely agree he's going to be top four, especially with uh, Isaiah Spiller not really doing anything. And like you said, Kyron Williams, just an overall poor performance. He is great at running through the line of scrimmage, and he can burst through the sidelines and get those extra yardage. And again, he's great after contact. He came in a little. He came in heavy, uh, two eleven at only five nine. And you know, you you were nervous if he was going to run that sub four four, but he did again. Like you said, second fastest time, uh, 4.3A. So we could see now that not only does he have that size to break through after contact, but now we can tell he has that speed. He sounds like a guy who maybe can't has the skills, has the tools to overcome maybe not even a great offensive environment around him. I do want to ask you guys quickly about uh, pass catching. He only had 19 catches in college. Tyler, is there any cause for concern there? Do we have any answers there coming out of the combine as far as that goes? I'm not super concerned. I think it's more of a, a product of the offense rather than a product of, hey, I don't think he can do it. We had the same questions about Jonathan Taylor two years ago. Wisconsin right. didn't throw the football to their backs, especially to Jonathan Taylor. But the man also had 900 carries in three seasons. So they didn't really need to utilize that element with him. And in Paul Chris' offense, it was just, we just don't do that. We don't throw to running backs. We push the ball down the field when we do throw the football. And you really saw that a lot with Michigan State this year. Jalen Naylor on the outside, uh, he's probably going to go in the middle rounds this year. He was that really big play threat with Peyton Thorne. And they really didn't focus on throwing the ball to Walker. He did have a couple really explosive uh, catches this past year for Michigan State. I think it's more of a product of the offense than he can't do it. And I think once you get to the NFL, he's going to, be given those opportunities and it'll be just fine. Definitely agree. And, you know, the fact that when you agree with Jonathan Taylor, if he has those skills, which we have seen, again, he could catch out of the backfield. He has those short bursts and he can do it just depending on right if you, they put him in the right offense. But again, you know, you see the size, you see what he could do with the running that that could open up things for him in the catching game. And if he could have both of those, definitely could have a promising rookie year. Meanwhile, Iowa State's Brees Hall, as noted in our latest blurb on NBC Sports Edge, put up similar numbers to Saquon Barkley at the Combine. Obviously, Saquon coming off an absolutely brutal season, but that is high praise, of course. Uh, this is a guy who also had 46 total touchdowns as a sophomore and junior combined, which is a little bit silly. So, John, how high could we see him go in the draft, and is he potentially headed for an immediate fantasy impact? And you know what? You mentioned it. Saquon Barkley, we looked at the numbers that he put up. 1.5410 yards split same as Saquon 4.3940 Saquon was 4.4 vertical 40 inches Saquon 41 both with a NFL next gen score of 99 that is incredible as you saw Saquon was like the freak athlete coming out of the draft back in 2018 and we're seeing that Brees Hall has that same quality I think he's moved up now to that top spot. I really do think he came over Kenny Walker now. We've seen the fast burst. We've seen what he can do. And he moves quick. He has the great cuts. And at 5'11", 217, to have that size and that great footwork and the burst and the burst that he has, five rushing touchdowns of over 75 yards in his college career. That's amazing. We didn't talk about him too much. Going into the draft, you know, he was mentioned, obviously, in that top three. But now I think a lot of uh, experts are going to be talking about him possibly moving into that first round with Walker. I'm going to be honest with Brees Hall. I'm very conflicted. A lot of what John says is hits home. 
the athleticism is fantastic. He had three really, really good productive years. Has a lot of that explosiveness. But when I watch him, it, it, he kind of gives me that Adrian Peterson factor. And the, the one thing that really worries me is he's going to have, he has a lot of stat lines where he runs like two, one, negative one, zero, one, 75, two, one, three. And he just has a lot of really, really short runs. And then he hits the home run because I, I feel like he tries to hit the home run too often. And when you play in the Big 12, you play a few really subpar defenses, you can get away with it. Just look at the TCU game last year where he put up like over 300 total yards and five touchdowns. And when you try to hit the home run too much, it can really hinder your just overall average cumulative play. And he's going to hit the home run likely less in the pros than he is did in college. I worry that he's going to try that too much and it's going to hinder his fantasy value early. But when he hits that home run, it it's a beautiful thing. And he has shown that he can hit it multiple times a game. So I think it's a little high risk selection for me right now, but the talent's there. Uh, to piggyback off that a little bit, I think one of the things that you can talk about that he needs to work on is when he gets the ball, he does dance around a little bit at the line of scrimmage. He seems to try to wait for, like you said, try to find that hole for the home run. I think he needs to slow that down. He needs to allow his blockers to give him that gap and try, like you said, try to get those four, those five yards, try to run through the line of scrimmage, and those will come. Those home runs will come if he just goes start, you know, grabs that ball, waits for the blockers to develop and starts going downhill instead of dancing around, trying to cut somewhere to find that big gap for the home run. Absolutely. So we've talked to Kenneth Walker. We've talked to Brees Hall. I want to ask you both. Is there anyone else among the running backs we saw at the combine whose whose performance left you thinking this guy is is on the fast track to being fantasy relevant as a rookie? And we'll start with you, Tyler. Any any running back name that really stands out as uh, a guy you see as almost like a plug-and-play fantasy guy. Pierre Strong Jr. at a South Dakota State. When you watched him week one against Colorado State, he ran all over him. He looked like the best player on the field, and Trey McBride had a fantastic game as well for the Rams. And McBride is likely tight end one across the board. Pierre Strong Jr. is a very powerful, patient runner. He runs through contact really well, and he has an element of explosiveness. When I was watching him, I didn't necessarily thought he had a true dominant trait because it, sometimes it's really hard to, to gauge FCS speed in comparison to everybody else because he was outrunning FCS opponents. Outside of the mm-hmm. COVID spring year, Strong didn't have a season where he averaged less than seven yards a carry, including a staggering 9.3 yards per carry his freshman year on over 110 wow. touches. That That's a very, very impressive stat sheet when you look at strong i think he could be a guy like elijah mitchell where you take him in the later rounds he can be a plug-and-play starter he he can he doesn't have a ton of tread on the tires for being a true four-year guy only 550 ish touches strong can be a guy that come in comes in right away and plays incredibly well for you i think he's going to be somebody you want to look at uh, as a sleeper late in the draft i I agree with you on strong like what i looked at his number like 7.7 yards per carry two years in a row i'm like staggering so like those numbers you know that he put up uh, at the combine were nothing surprising i'm gonna go a little bit in the direction of a big program one of the biggest programs this year the national champions i'm going with the brother of dalvin cook james cook he didn't get that feature role at georgia you know combining with zamir white but when you look at his tape He has that ability to run through the line of scrimmage. He gets that second burst. He can make big yards. And 
He's a great dual threat guy. He catches out of the backfield. He did it a lot Mm -hmm. at Georgia and he can block. That's a scenario where you're going to put him in and a three down back. You're going to have him in and a lot of snaps. Obviously, a high snap share means a high opportunity for catches, for runs, and be a big part of the offense. So I'm looking at James Cook to pick up in my rookie drafts this year. If only that Georgia program had a couple more NFL prospects in this draft. Uh, James Cook, by the way, saw that overlay of him and Dalvin stride for stride right in the 40-yard dash. I think Dalvin maybe had him. Was it? Did Dalvin have him by a hair? I can't remember how that one came in. By, I think it was .01. I think it was 0.01. They also modified Cook. He ended up running a 4.42. So James beat him by 0.07, oh. even though at the unofficial time was a, a hundredth slower. And definitely some great names for fantasy managers to file away as far as running backs go. Let's turn our attention now to a few of the quarterbacks we saw at the combine. Now, we didn't see Malik Willis do all that much in terms of physical testing at the combine, but you know, in terms of raw ability we know this guy has it 27 passing touchdowns last year 13 rushing touchdowns uh, john we know who some of the quarterback needy teams are is there one in particular that you think could be an ideal landing spot for willis to actually come in and play where you know we don't see that red shirt year his first year in the nfl yeah i think there's a i, I would go with a couple i mean i know a lot of early mocks had him at carolina I think right now that's just not a good situation. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Rule, this is his yeah. let's just say Matt Rule is 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 one and done after this year. Um Denver has been a big one and Pittsburgh. I think if the opportunity comes, Pittsburgh should consider trading up for Willis. You know, they're at the 20th pick right now. We've seen some mock drafts try to get him try to get into the top 10. Pittsburgh try to get in the top 10 to grab Willis. That offensive line is is not as good. You saw Pouncey retire last year, and we just saw the impact of that offensive line. It needs a lot of work, but when you have a guy like Willis who can elude the pass rush, he can move around, let let receivers find the open, you know, get open, and you know, you have Claypool, and you have Deontay Johnson, you have these guys with Najee Harris as that support in the back uh, in the backfield. I really do think that he had. Uh, Pittsburgh would be a great landing spot for him right now. I agree completely with Pittsburgh. Uh, Two that I've really kind of zeroed in on for Willis, Denver and Washington. And Denver and Washington have kind of very similar things in common. They have a pretty good roster. They have a roster that's almost ready-made for a quarterback to step in and be able to thrive and succeed. And when you're a young quarterback, that is more important than anything, is to be able to have that kind of surroundings to be able to help support you early on while while you figure out the position. And I think with Willis, the arm talent is insane. His ability to run around, scramble, Mm -hmm. really play hero ball, because a lot of what he had to do at Liberty was backyard football. Did not have any draftable grades around him, and he really had to try and figure it out for himself in an offense that's relatively basic concept-wise. He's going to have to learn on the fly, and you can tailor an offense for him similar to what Jalen Hurts had this past year in Philadelphia. Just give him some simple reads, give it, and then start building on that throughout the year. Let his legs win early as his arm and mental processing at the NFL level really start to catch up and how he starts to grasp an NFL offense. And Washington, I think, might be his best situation because Ron Rivera understands how to maximize a quarterback with a dynamic skill set that Malik Willis has. Because remember, 
Rivera maximized Cam Newton. And as polarizing as Cam Newton is, Rivera was his head coach for an MVP season that was absolutely absurd on nearly every level. Almost 4,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing, uh, over 40 touchdowns combined. Like He knows how to maximize a player of this caliber, knows how to utilize him properly, and knows how to help grow and develop him. I think that's probably the best spot for Willis. We certainly don't mind hero ball when it comes to fantasy. And speaking of that, this is a guy who had more than 1,700 rushing yards and 27 rushing touchdowns the last two seasons combined, John. Do you look at Malik Willis' skill set and are we like, is this a guy who we expect to be one of the next great rushing quarterbacks? Uh, we've talked about the arm talent as well, but obviously for fantasy, rushing production is just massive. Are we expecting just a straight carryover to the NFL of that skill set? We've seen it hinder some players. I mean, we've seen Lamar Jackson obviously make that big move. He's been probably one of the more successful ones. Jalen Hurts, we're not sure yet. He, we know he can move. The accuracy was a little down, but I think that's mainly because of his receivers. But we saw what Malik Willis could do with that arm. I was a little hesitant on him going into pre-draft because I watched that entire game of him versus Army. And Army, who, you know, one of the best run defenses in college football this year, great pass rush. They absolutely stuffed him for most of that game. It wasn't until the game was out of hand. And the four in the fourth quarter uh, in the fourth quarter when Willis started to get some production, but now what I've seen with him, what I saw, you know, saw what he did at the Senior Bowl, you know, you saw the all the work and preparation that he's put in. He knew as an independent uh, coming from an independent school, maybe not getting the best schedule of some of the other guys coming from big programs. I think he put in that work. He knew what he was coming. He knew the prospect was there. He knew the talent was there. He put in the work. And from what I saw at the end of the season to what I've seen through the pre-draft process, he is serious about being a good NFL prospect. And that's just as important as any physical skills you have. Do you want it? Do you have the mentality for it? And I've seen Malik Willis through this pre-draft process that he wants it. Couldn't agree more. And especially when you look back to 2020 and the cumulative scope of who Malik Willis is, he was put in a position to fail at Liberty and he put in the work. He tried to understand what he had around him. And he knew that if he felt a little bit of pressure, things were going to collapse on him hard and fast. So he really started to bail pockets early, which he's going to have to figure Mm -hmm. out at the NFL level, but hopefully he's going to land with a team that has a capable offensive line so he can start to really get comfortable in the pocket for the first time in his life. And as he he continues to move forward, I think he's, he's going to naturally start to want to run the ball less, but that ability is still going to be there. And as long as he is similar to Lamar Jackson and Hey, I'm just going to make sure I don't take a lot of shots because one thing that's different between him and other quarterbacks that really thrive at running the football Willis is a very powerful runner. He's great at breaking tackles. He's he's built like a linebacker that just short, stout, and thick. And he can he can break tackles in the open field. Tacklers will bounce right off of him. And he has great contact balance. So from a fantasy perspective, that's very, very intriguing, the fact that he has that ability and he can really come out at any time. And as we saw at the Senior Bowl, he makes Lamar Jackson-type runs that crossing the field and only getting caught at the last second by Chad Muma that running for what must've been almost 50 yards, just a true dynamic game breaking threat. 
who should be valued very high in the fantasy. Sticking with the same theme and a different story, Desmond Ritter impressed some people with his performance at the Combine, in particular that 4 5 two, 40. So Tyler, going back to you here, what did you see from Ritter? And is this a guy we could see landing a spot where we see him put up fantasy-relevant numbers as a rookie? Or, uh, or is that a bit of a reach at this point to you? As a rookie, is really going to depend on landing spot because I don't mm-hmm. think Ritter's ready to truly be a starting NFL quarterback. You see the athleticism, the intelligence just pops off especially when you watch the tape he has such a command and understanding of what is going on on the field he knows how to run that offense he runs it with a true command and seeing that kind of football IQ is fantastic to see from any quarterback what worries me is the throwing motion Mm -hmm. uh, his footwork he's sloppy he he makes inaccurate throws consistently he always seems to want to just like move backwards that and just veer to the left all the time in the pocket and it, it causes him to be inaccurate with his throws but when his his feet are set he throws a beautiful football i don't know how successful he can be as a rookie because he has so much to figure out with how he utilizes his mechanics but if he is able to figure that out i think he can be a successful quarterback and w- as you mentioned with that athleticism i think he was over a 98th percentile athlete for the quarterback position uh, according to relative athletic score that's a fantastic number and he can be really calculated with how he runs the football he's not a guy like willis who's just going to run to run mm-hmm. but if he sees an opening he's going to be like aaron Rodgers. he is going to take advantage of it he's going to take whatever you give him and he's going to do it well absolutely i'm i'm pretty much going to bounce off you on that because i have the same exact points his footwork is a little sloppy He needs to work on the technical skills. That's the most important part. And I think on the right team with the right coaching, that's a possibility because he does have that football IQ. You watch him in the pocket. You watch his checkdowns. You look at him. He can easily elude defenders and get get them off to find that open man. And what I saw, especially during the Alabama game, was that move to the left, like you said, that move to the left, and it does lead to inaccurate passes. Only was, I believe, 61% this year. So there's a lot of work, but the intelligence is there. I think if he finds the right landing spot in a two to three year, maybe a second year, maybe three years, just get find that right coaching. And we saw Again, he's not as mobile as Ritter or as mobile as Willis or or Corral or Pickett or some of these other guys. But the command is there. The intelligence there, the football IQ is there. He just needs to develop those technical skills. And if he does, he could be ready for the uh, NFL in a couple of years. Sounds like if we see Desmond Ritter in the starting lineup, something has gone horribly wrong for his real life team this season, potentially, based on what you guys just said. Moving now to Kenny Pickett. Now, His stock seems to be falling in the aftermath of the all-important hand measurement, John. Let's talk about that for a second. And also, is there a universe where Pickett could still be a factor as a starter his rookie year? You know, what Pickett did this year, you you can't ignore it. It's amazing. 42 passing touchdowns. He only had 39 in the previous uh, three years combined. So he always had that mobility. Always did. But this year, he developed that arm. Again, big thanks to Jordan Addison, who was absolutely amazing. They made big plays this year. One of the tops in receptions of over 25 yards. The hand measurement, I I think that was like the worst kept secret going into the draft was how big is Kenny Pickett's hand size? Well, he didn't measure himself at the senior bowl, but I think we knew why. 
for me, I think there is could be a landing spot because we've seen measurements uh, scare off some scouts. I think there was a guy a couple years ago who had a uh, a nine inch hand measurement. I think he played in the Super Bowl this year. His name was Joe Burrow. So, and there's another guy I remember, five foot eleven. A lot of people said, "How could he look over his mm. offensive line?" Oh yeah, his name was Drew ah, yes. Brees. So we we see scouts get scared of the size, and but we saw this year him take a huge leap forward with the arm. The arm strength is there. You know, I just think that again, another one who needs to find the right scenario, and it definitely accentuate his mobility and his ability to find receivers. I think there is a landing spot for him. I, I'm kind of a, in a different ballpark. I I really don't get it with Kenny Pickett. I think he's he's a jag. He's he's a guy, and I think if you put him in a perfect situation, that he can be good. Uh, but I also think if he has to really overcome anything, if he has to be like the true alpha, I just don't see it. I, I the hand size is going to be an issue, and the reason why it's going to be an issue is the NFL football is just so much different than the college ball. That uh, he he played well at Pitt, but the college ball overall is longer and not nearly as girthy. The NFL football is a little little more short and thick. So it just becomes increasingly more difficult to hold the football. I remember when the Vikings picked Dante Culpepper in the year 1999. His hand size was a big deal, and his hands measured at nine and a half. That man fumbled nearly 60 times in his time in Minnesota through the 2005 season, and they played indoors. Like The NFL football with small hands is a real thing. Some guys are able to kind of overcome it by masking it. Michael Vick had eight and a half inch hands. But he was also Michael Vick, probably the most raw talent of any quarterback to ever play the position. Uh, I just don't think Kenny Pickett has enough requisite, not intangibles, but traits that'll help him overcome the hand size. And I don't think he has a fantastic arm. He has a good arm. But everything is just like maximizes that like a seven, seven and a half out of 10. And as far as fantasy perspective, unless he's got a loaded unit with him, similar to like what Kirk Cousins has in Minnesota, I don't think he's going to be able to be a true fantasy factor, at least early on. John, you got a closing thought there? You guys, we, we just got two different sides of the Kenny Pickett coin. So we have, we have a closing thought? Definitely great points. And for me, it's not necessarily he comes in being alpha. I think he is too high at number 10. Like a lot of people projected him. I think if he goes to a lower team, you know, Atlanta could be an option if they trade down, could possibly get him. His draft stock hurt. He he is probably possibly late first, probably second round now. As you saw the development of Ritter, you know, again, we haven't seen Corral yet. He's we'll see what he does at his pro day. If someone with a loaded team can get Penny Pickett, he has the opportunity to accentuate some of his better traits. He has the mentality. He's a veteran. He played five years at Pitt, four as a starter. So that that kind of leadership quality is there. ACC championship, that was his goal, and he did it. Again, like I agree with Tyler, it's it's finding the right situation for him. I don't think he's one of those guys who could just you pluck him anywhere and he's going to excel. It's just finding the right coaching staff that knows what his traits are and they can accentuate it and kind of mask some of the smaller things, like you said, the hand size, the fum, the you know, the fumble issues possibly. So find him in the right spot, and you know he has a chance to be an above average quarterback, or average to above average. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed. 
also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're going to move now to wide receivers before we get out of here. And and it might be greedy. You know, we've been spoiled a little bit, I guess I would say, by rookie wide receivers the last couple of years. So it might be greedy to look at this year's class and say, you know, we're going to have someone make a Justin Jefferson and Jamar, or Jamar Chase type of rookie impact. But Tyler, is there one guy or one or two guys you think can come in and immediately make a dent in terms of fantasy? And if so, who would you be betting on? The guy I'm going to be betting on is Chris Olave from okay. Ohio State. When I watch Olave, he gives me a lot of... Uh, like vibes of Justin Jefferson. The guy just knows how to get open. He knows how to how to utilize a lot really really nice technique. He has the athleticism with that 439 speed and he he's good at getting the jump ball. Uh when you look at the athletic testing numbers they're not phenomenal outside of that 40. They're okay. Like I think he, it was like a, a 33 inch vertical. Like I I don't believe he ran the 3 cone. Most players did not run the 3 cone in Indy because of how the the testing and schedule was laid out. But Olave, he's just a technical wizard. And when you have that kind of straight line speed and you have the ability to just snap off routes at an instant, I think he's going to come in. He's going to surprise a lot of people. He's going to fall down the NFL draft board. And he's going to have a Justin Jefferson type impact. He's going to be a great receiver right away. And if a team like, I know the Saints have been a very popular and landing spot. If Sean Payton was still on that team, imagine what he could do with Olave and Michael Thomas just carving defenses up in the intermediate levels of the field. Olave is a guy that sh- that needs to be taken more seriously, especially in when it comes to fantasy. And he's going to be really, really good right away. I definitely love Olave. I'm going with a guy who we didn't see at the combine. He's going to have his own personal pro day, not even doing his team pro day. His team pro day is March 23rd. He's pushing back a personal pro day to April 4th to get better. And that's Drake London. You look at the size, you, you, it's comparable to a Mike Evans, a T. Higgins. If you put him on a team with a quarterback mm-hmm. that has precision, can get the ball over to, in his hands, he could be that guy who I'm going to compare again to Mike Evans. You saw Mike Evans, especially a couple of years ago. He had games where two catches, two yards, and two right. touchdowns. If you get a guy where – he could throw to the back of the end zone on that feed route. Drake London could have 10 touchdowns in, in his rookie season. I would like to see him. I'm not a fan of the team personally, but I'm a fan of the quarterback. The Chargers, I would love to see what Justin Herbert could do with a guy with 
Keenan Allen as his slot. Mike Williams, he wants to be in LA. He could be there. He could be that deep threat guy. But having London on fade routes, using that size against smaller defenders, that could be absolutely just dangerous, especially in a conference with elite quarterbacks and having elite uh, receivers. So I would love to see Drake London go to the Chargers. He can't fall that low. He's a, he's a top 10, but I think the Chargers, they really want to push forward and compete in a tough division. I think Drake London would be a great move for him. London, the basketball player, has that rebounding skill. Tyler, are you high on him as well? Do you see him being a, an immediate kind of, I don't know, eight touchdown threat in the pros potentially in the right situation? I think it could be. I think one thing that really worries me about London is, does he have the requisite athleticism to be able to beat NFL cornerbacks consistently? He's a massive man. And he, he was able to gain some separation, and he knows how to utilize his body to really maximize it. But is he going to be able to separate from your top-level cornerbacks? Is he going to be able to have any success against your Jalen Ramseys of the world? Or when, if you take a step down, what about guys like James Bradbury? Is he going to be able to succeed against those guys? I genuinely don't know, but I do believe that London is he's just superior at the catch point, and he, he's an alpha dog. That uh, kind of reminds me of Dennis Rodman. If you want to take that real basketball comparison, he's just, he just has that it factor. So I, I really like the, the prospects of London, but if he goes into a situation where he's automatically the number one guy, I worry about his success early. Well, either way, you know, I started out this section by saying we, we may not have a guy come in and have a Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase type impact, and we immediately had uh, Tyler say we we will. We've already got Chris Olave on the books as our Justin Jefferson for this year, so I'm pretty thrilled about that. Any final wide receiver thoughts for you, John? Like anyone else you want to mention before we get out of here? I mean, you know, Sky Moore. We had some buzz about him. You know, again, the the G five guys. I love when you watch like F, F, FCS guys come in. Like you said, strong. I'm thinking of Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Everyone's now in love with him uh, at the locker position. But again, I love when FCS guys and G5 guys make a name that we've watched, you know, as as you know, college football season. We've seen these guys, but now Sky Moore, he's he has that quickness, he has that footwork that we saw at Western Michigan, and I think he's going to make a great transition. Not again, he's he's not a wide receiver one uh, off the bat, but I think he could be a great complement at the wide receiver position and he can easily come in and have a high catch rate, you know, put up some good numbers in his first year. And I'm kind of, kind of piggyback off that one. I love sky more his release package at the line of scrimmage is just filthy. And he has the explosiveness to really create that early separation to pair with that technique. But the guy I I'm targeting in those, uh, in like the middle rounds or the late rounds, Calvin Austin, the third from Memphis at Memphis, he was the guy that got basically 75, 80% of his touches were just manufactured screens, shallow crosses, jet sweeps, handoffs out of the backfield. They didn't really try to utilize him as a true receiver. He went into mobile and showed the ability to separate as a receiver. He, his catch radius for only being five, seven and a half is phenomenal. He's able to extend out and, and snag balls away from his frame at a rate that I was not expecting at all. And he's he's got that 4-3-2 speed to really be able to separate and break away from defenders. Calvin Austin, as a supplementary piece early on, I think can thrive, and he can be a guy to put up like 50 catches right away. And long-term, I think he could be a starting Z receiver 
He is not the same player, but utilize similar to the way the Chiefs utilize Tyreek Hill and get him in space, let him match up one-on-one, utilize him crossing the field, being explosive. Calvin Austin III has the ability to do all those things, and his ability that he showed as a receiver post-Memphis was really, really impressive. Are there any Christian Watson believers in this room? John, uh, this is the guy we were talking about. Okay, Tyler's raising his hand. Uh, Yes, both of you guys. So uh, let's talk about this guy quickly. We were talking about him last week. Thor was talking about him. He seemed like a guy who has a lot of potential and maybe could be a receiver who, you know, is able to handle rushing attempts right away, that kind of thing. So, John, what are your thoughts on Christian Watson quickly as the last guy we mentioned here? Absolutely. You know, he has that quick, quick uh, ability. And like I said, I love it when these guys that we don't know about, the FCS guys, the Group 5 guys, they come in. And finally, what some of us have seen throughout the fall and winter, we've seen these guys produce. And now the general NFL fans are watching these guys produce. Uh, Again, definitely Watson for me. I'm loving him as a fact. Probably a late day two, a late day two pick. Like you said, he could be the Z receiver. He can complement a team and easily break it and and probably same thing. Have about 50, 60 catches in his rookie season. I think a lot of people are going to be like, who was this guy? Mm-hmm. And coming from a small school, we're always that way. So I, definitely, I'm high on Watson this year. I'll say this about Watson. If he had an Ohio State helmet, he's a top 20 pick and it's a slam dunk. I lived in Fargo for almost a decade, and I've watched a lot of Bison football. Mm-hmm. One thing about the Bison is they prioritize a myriad of run concepts. They run man-gap power. They run inside and outside zone. and They create their own running schemes that with how they pull their offensive linemen. They love to run the football, and they're phenomenal at it. They recruit better than any FCS team in the country when it comes to the running back position, sometimes even getting four stars. And I kind of build my argument with Watson off of that because – most of their passing game is either in situations like two-minute drill, necessities, or play-action deep shots. Watson saw most of his production on the field because he was a phenomenal blocker, and I think that's going to translate right away. He's going to get on the field early and often because he's a willing and fantastic blocker in the running game, and he's going to be able to utilize that 4-3-6 speed. He can dip his hips with his cuts. And all of those little things that he does really well and how he compared himself to Debo Samuel. And when you watch the tape at NDSU, he was taking handoffs in the backfield at 6'4", 211. Like, that's not normal. <laughs> but he has the skill set to be able to utilize all those uh, different ways that uh, a team could possibly utilize him. He goes to the right situation. Watson can be a wide receiver one within two years because he has that type of dynamic skill set. It is. It's every year. And the thing is, too, we, we should know this by now. Every year we're going to talk about North Dakota State. Why don't we just need to, like, watch North Dakota State and be like, okay, who? Okay, this year it's Watson. Yep. Every year we see someone. And, again, because they are one – they are they are the Alabama of the FCS. They are in the championship every year. They win. I watched that game against Montana State this year. They again, Montana State lost their starting quarterback early in that game, but North Dakota State was just just able to just trounce them. They're good every year. They produce they produce NFL ready players every single year. And this year it's Watson. All right, guys, great stuff breaking all of this down. Make sure you keep it tuned to NBC Sports Edge, College Football, and NFL pages for more. 
fallout from the combine and as we get ready for the draft you can follow these two on twitter at i'm that soupy do we say that soupy or suppy john how do we say the? i say i say soupy yeah we say the twitter handle soupy okay got it got it uh and at the real forno uh as I said, great stuff, guys, today. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a minute to rate and review our show as well. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and watching live with us today. John, Tyler, thanks to both of you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.